Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Good morning, everybody. I'm typing notes to my staff on the thing. Welcome. It is happy Monday. What are we at? Uh, December, July. December 19, 2022. This is Christmas week or pre-Christmas week. Uh, after we're done Friday, then it will be Christmas on Sunday. There will be no show on Monday. Let me talk about, let me just go over So what this week's schedule is. So tomorrow is Mike Thompson. Wednesday is Kat. Thursday is Amanda Grace. And Friday, God's given me a special word uh, to people, especially if you if you desire to own real estate. Um, God has given me a word about that. So don't miss Friday's show. Um, uh, it will be a great encouragement and excitement to you. So um, don't miss Friday, and that will be as if it's Christmas Eve, but I think Saturday is Christmas Eve, and then Sunday is Christmas. So no show on Monday, and then Johnny's back on Tuesday next week. So welcome, welcome, welcome. It's uh, We are very uh, amazing times. This year is just about up. I think it's a total of 10 episodes, and, and it's 2023. So, uh, by the way, we are... Um, I listened to a word by Kent Christmas from, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and he prophesied the entire time. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna send that out either today or tomorrow. Uh, we'll send that out to people. And uh, you you know, uh, let me just tell the team that's listening to me. Put that word by Kent Christmas in the chat and in the comments if you can. Or under there, it's uh, he started at the 42 minute mark, and God told him to just prophesy for the whole thing, which he did. So it's amazing, and encouraging. I was just listening to it, um, and it's kind of really what jumped in about the whole real estate thing that it's God's given me a part B to that. So I want to just encourage you all with that. So, all right, let me see. I think, yeah, okay, so God bless you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. And we are going to just a quick reminder by the way, the rest of this last two weeks, we'll, we'll have our donate uh, link come on from time to time while the show is going on. It'll just be along the bottom here. Won't, it won't interrupt the show, but we'll silently put it up once in a while to remind you because these are those final days where if you mail a check, be on or before December 31, if it's postmarked like that, then you get the tax receipt for the year. Um, and all right, I think that's it. So uh, Emily, go ahead and run that spot about the wells. Here we go. Her day starts around 7 a.m. After getting dressed, she washes her face using whatever water she has left over from the night before. The rest of her morning is filled with chores. She sweeps, works in the garden, and weaves mats. Her favorite thing to do in the morning is make a hot cup of tea. One of the highlights of her day is seeing her neighbors and friends that pass by. It can get lonely being by yourself. Jaja Goretti is fortunate to have a water source in her village because of Elijah Streams. Her friends and neighbors help her collect water so she can enjoy her cup of tea and care for herself. But that's not the case for everyone. Not everyone has access to a clean water source in their village. Not everyone has someone to help them. But you could be that someone. By donating towards the drilling of clean water wells in Uganda, 
You are helping thousands of people. You are giving them safe, clean drinking water. By the way, in addition to all that, some of you may remember that we have, uh, I call them water boxes. There's probably a different, more official term, but there's these massive water machines that are filters. We have uh, made a deal with four different fire departments to to put these, um, hook up these water machines to the city water. And then it's filtered so that when it comes out, it's clean and you don't have to go buy bottled water. And so that's in uh, Mississippi. Um, and I understand we're working on a project that's going to do some of this. I think it was says with universities. I'm not quite, I'm not making this an official announcement because I might not be accurate, but if that works out, we might be doing some of that with universities because God's spoken to us about uh, wells and water and fresh, clean water for those that can't afford it. And that, that uh, many of you here in the United States that applies to. So uh, we are, we've spent several hundred thousand dollars doing water projects here it's just not as much as we did in uganda just so you know that uh one more quick thing several people wrote to me over the weekend or i get them sent to me over the weekend through my other people that get the the, the emails from you because i don't get them direct and they said steve please don't stop doing profits and patriots i thought did i say something that made them think i was going to so if i did i didn't mean to uh um, all I was saying, we're going to continue Prophets and Patriots. Absolutely. We have no intentions of stopping that or even slowing down. Uh, but um, I do want to make sure that you're encouraged and built up each time. So that's my responsibility. That's on me. So um, I think I must have just been talking about out loud and saying, I want to make sure you get, you, you, you get uh, clarified, uh, you know, encouraged and all that. So no, I'm not slowing down. We're not stopping that. So and if I misspoke, my apologies, you know, maybe I slept on it and I don't, I don't, I'm not one to go back and try and replay what it exactly did I say. Whatever I said, this is what I'm saying. So anyway, God bless you on that. Uh, I think that's all I have for you today as far as announcements. So it's time to bring Johnny Enlow on. So here comes Johnny Enlow unfiltered. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Good morning, Johnny and Lo. Good to see you. Good morning, Steve. Good seeing you. As always, Christmas is around the corner. Next time we talk to you after today, it'll be after Christmas already. Can you even believe that? It's amazing. How is your optimism, by the way, for 2023? You didn't know I was going to say that. I mean, maybe you're going to say, I'm so discouraged, Steve, but I don't think you're going to say that. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm very encouraged on 2023. Every progressive day, week, month, the increase of his kingdom is taking place. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very encouraged. So good, 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 good. So, well, Johnny, uh, you've always got something on your heart. I don't have a clue what it is. I'm always waiting with bated breath, like everybody else to hear what you're going to deliver to us. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. Well, you know, I got, I had a, a direction I thought I was going and then I got a total redirect by the Lord. And then this morning, um, it, it was he was strong. So really, the notes were being put together all over the place from from this morning, what he was sharing. And uh, I'm very, very encouraged. There's a uh, at some point as a, it, it started out him sharing with me is I'm doing the greater things right now in manger scenes. And um, 
So that connects us to the season that we're in. We'll say the Christmas season in the, you know, celebrating Jesus' birth and, and the fact that he was born in a manger scene. He wasn't born at the, you know, no five-star hotel, no five-star hospital, five-star clinic. It was a, a thousand-star or 10,000-star um, manger scene, we'll say, depending on how open it was or whatever. So we're going to get there in a moment and kind of very related to it is a question I'm going to ask. And is, I'm going to, this is not the main topic, but it'll be a, a, you know, there's some controversy around it right, right now, we'll say. And so, but this is a perspective. I'm going to share what I feel like is a perspective from the Lord on it and what he's telling me. Because the question came, and this is something to ask is, does Jesus resent being celebrated by millions on the wrong day? Oh, great question. I love that one because everybody, all right, everybody just got closer to their screen. <laughs> so I'll that. ask that again. Does okay. Jesus resent being celebrated by millions on the wrong day? And this is an important topic and his answer on it is, is important as well. And so I'll, I'll say what I feel like he's telling me and y'all, according to how much that resonates with your spirit, you can embrace it as well. I think I'll kind of prove it from other things. But, you know, part of the reason we'll even ask this question or why it's being asked right now is there's discovery and more evidence than ever. I know we'll just say members of my own family are already diminishing what they're going to do for Christmas in some ways because, OK, it looks like um, and I'm sure by next year we will know there's enough. Uh, you talk about this great awakening and reveal of truth and whatever that perhaps uh, September 11 is more the timetable of when Jesus was actually born. And so, uh, you know, and then there's the, we'll see questionable um, sources for Christmas that there, I don't know, I, I don't have it. I, I wasn't really going to put all that together, but it was, you know, it's a, there, there's sinister sourcing of Christmas and then men, uh, you know, melding and putting it together. And so, and, and questions on what was St. Nick and what did the tree represent? And there's all these things that are supposedly have sinister representations and all that kind of stuff. And so people, there is a movement right now of people like, we're not celebrating Christmas because it's actually the tree means this and the, you know, that, uh, these certain decorations mean the other and, and whatever. And so there is a properly uh, an attempt to, you know, purify and, and, and make sure we're on the right track. But Here's just, I'm just going to tell you what I heard from the Lord on that. Right. Does Jesus resent being celebrated by millions on the wrong day? No. Um, and so it, and this goes into an overall understanding of the Lord that's important because it applies across the board to everything for every single person, every one of us in our processing of life itself. We're finding out that we were lied to about so many things that we are we are in a tendency right now to desire to overthrow anything that had sinister origins, uh, anything that had a corrupt or origination. And that's another statement I got from the Lord. Corrupt origins are not a spiritual death sentence. And so just because something started, even in corruption, doesn't mean can, he wants can, to get rid of it. Can you just give a quick example? What do you mean? Give an example. What do you mean something started? Well, I have multiple oh, examples. Okay. Oh, okay. Go. Of that. Yeah. And we have one right uh you know, kind of shining bright right before us, Twitter. 
if you what we've discovered is yeah. Twitter was actually even inspired and started not as a service to the people to communicate, not as some tool that would help them, but it really was a control instrument. That was the reason for it. And that's the reason uh, for all the money that came to it and everything else is for controlling a narrative for the people, et cetera, et cetera. And so even in initial stages, we're thinking and praying perhaps, okay, Lord, take down, obliterate Twitter. Twitter is a Goliath that needs to be brought down, this and that and the other. But we see what God can do, whether it whether it lasts a long time, we know that's what's happening right now. It's being repurposed. So Twitter is being repurposed. And, you know, we have all these patriots and Dr. McCall and others being put back on there. So it's now becoming an outlet for truth and it's going worldwide and it's doing a great job of accelerating, we'll say, the awakening for those who have up to this time not been exposed to the multiple levels and layers of truth that we've been getting. So we have a repurposed Twitter that we're enjoying now. Uh, or, uh, and we're like, this is an instrument of truth and good now. So our, all our desires and prophecies and whatever else to have this thing obliterated and cast down because it started uh, from bad origins, uh, you know, we can ignore that. We don't, we don't need that anymore. And so there's, this is, Throughout scripture itself, so we can apply it to all kinds of things. Does the United Nations need to be obliterated? Does it need to be taken over by the Lord and repurposed? Does um, the WHO, World Health Organization, CDC, there's all these things that are total instruments and sometimes instruments from their conception or inception. They were corrupt from the beginning. And it's this thing about the Lord. He doesn't have to have started something for him to be a part That's of. That's really good. That's profound. So okay, man. And I'll give uh, the biblical. I'll give you the biblical examples if you want to hear that too. Yeah, Steve. please do. Yeah, that's, I know that's where you want to go with this and, and jump in on on that. So, for instance, I've said it before, but we'll do this in this context. Jerusalem, that we know that he says he will not rest, and we're to pray and intercede, and, and that uh, not give the Lord rest until he makes Jerusalem a blessing for all all nations. Well, you would assume. Well, God's the one that started in some pristine operation. He started Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem was originally Jebus, a Jebusite stronghold city. So it started in total corruption, Baal worshipers. It was, it, you know, has nothing righteous about its foundations, but it's now a righteous city. Uh, it's where Jesus himself, God in the flesh, the one place on planet Earth, he decided to shed his blood is in Jerusalem. So he went to a corrupt place and he showed up and there's a participation of David. There's a whole story line to it. We could do a whole program on, on, on Jerusalem, but you could look at all the things he's repurposed. And then let me let you jump in on that, Steve. So he repurposed Jerusalem. He repurposed Ishmael. Ishmael came from Abraham and, and, you know, they're doubting God. And so doubt is never like anything but sinful. So out of their doubt, they have, you know, Sarah's involved in it as well. Okay, go into Hagar, have children there. So they're trying to fulfill God's promises with their own arm of the flesh. And so it's like, oh, that's never going to work. That's going to be cursed forever and all that. But then he later on says when, you know, Hagar cries out to him, I'm going to bless Ishmael as well. And so, uh, and if you don't know that, if you're asking yourself, does God love Jews more than Arabs? The answer is no. Even if, say, the Jews came from Isaac and the Arabs came from Ishmael, if we're loosely just making it that that uh, there are questions even that we could add to that mix. But no, he loves each. 
exactly the same. Yeah, and, and on this point, before I go too far away, I don't know where you're going. So let me just jump in here with this for a second, and then you can just keep going if I've interrupted the flow. But it, a really simple example about people, things only mean what they mean now. For instance, just because it start, something started with the pagan thing, and I'm sure you're going to go more, but here's a corny example. How many of our kids, when they were kids, played ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. Everybody laughs and everybody falls down. And most people don't realize that that was a dirge uh, from the from the Black Plague, I think it was, and the posies were to try and ward off disease and all fall down. Where all the kids laughed, that was people all dying. All dying. So it, it only means now what it means now. I mean, are you kind of going there? Yeah, as we apply it to Christmas, here's yeah. the deal. Any way you look at it, hundreds of millions to mo there's 2.5 billions, 2.5 billion people on planet Earth. Some a follower of Jesus. And we're going to say a minimum of a half of those and probably 80 to 90 percent are going to make um, him the real a real focus of this time. And they're going to remind themselves, even if they get off track with buying too many presents or whatever. They're going to be, yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. They're going to make that clear to their family. There's going to be a get together. There's going to be gifts and there's going to be, it's just going to be 90% of them really that are going to say, this is about Jesus. Mm. And we understand when there is a antichrist spirit, you know, a couple of years ago, we were noting that we're no longer supposed to say Merry Christmas and we're supposed to say happy holidays. And it's an attempt, we'll say by the agenda out there, the evil agenda to extinguish memory of Jesus. So there is a memory of Jesus that's unforgettable that's being advanced, even in the midst of something that was birthed in, anywhere from in mix to evil intent. And so the application is there. So we're, we're, we're saying it specifically about the Christmas holiday, because part of what the Lord wants me to tell people here is, hey, enjoy it. Serve me. Make me the focus. Make me the reason for the season. But, you know, let it be heartwarming. Go ahead and, and uh, uh, with, with no remorse, with no uh, hesitancy, uh, embrace celebrating me. You know, like, well, they don't even have the right days. Like Jesus is like um, that for sure. He doesn't care at all. And, we, and <laughs> the 911 may never happen. He wants to be remembered every day. But if there is already a niche out there where millions and even billions are acknowledging him and giving some attention to him. He's not trying to like, no, 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 you started bad. You started bad. And, and we're saying it doesn't just apply to that. It, it, it applies to life. To yeah. We have people out there, you know, you were birthed. If you find the story out, you're birthed out of, it could be from rape. It could be from incest. It could be yeah. from love. And he doesn't yeah. say, listen, I'm sorry. I can't use you because you came from a mess. So it's, it's, it's how he operates across the board in every area of society. He's always willing to come in, reconstitute, redo it. The cross was not a holy thing. The cross was an instrument of torture and yeah. death. And what the cross, we have repurposed it and made it a symbol of what he did on, on the cross, though that wasn't the original intent. So just want people to be free to, uh, and I feel like this is from the Lord, he's saying, because this is, as you pointed out to start with, uh, Steve, by the time we have our next program, we will have gone through Christmas. Yeah. And we don't want to be going like, oh, this is a pagan instituted <laughs> no. Freemason 30s and a No, just go ahead and 
repurpose Christmas for yourself, for your family, to worship Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. I talked to Bob Jones once and I was interviewing for my program when we had a little tiny studio. This is like 15 years ago. And I asked him about this whole thing about Christmas and Santa Claus, because, you know, St. Nick, St. Claus and all that. And he said, which he'd said before many times, he said, Steve, God's got a lot more things on his mind than a fat man in a red suit. You know, and he can only say, I can't do Bob Jones' voice or I'd mess it up. But, you know, in countryfied style, you know, he was like, I've seen, and, and Johnny, I was like, just over the years, every once in a while, all of us run into somebody who thinks Christmas is a pagan holiday and God hates it. And the people that all are on that high horse about that, Maybe your experience is different, but they always seem like very unhappy people to me. <laughs> what are your thoughts? You no, know, they're killjoy, um, um, overly serious. And we're not saying all of you who are resisting it right now. That is a tendency. What's I knew where Steve was going, even though we haven't had the conversation, because it's the same thing. You become a little bit of a Pharisee spirit gets on people and, and you start, you know, uh, I think with the accusation that Jesus told of, of, of the Pharisees is that, you know, a little mint and coming and spices, they're worried about those. Did you actually give a tenth of that? And you like totally forgotten the weight of your matters of uh, even of the law, but of, of the Lord will say. So number one, yeah, the agreement with what you, what you mentioned, what you could remember from Bob Jones is like, he has bigger things on, on his agenda. But beyond that, we have to realize this is just who he is and something he does. He loves coming into things that uh, were corrupted at the worst level. And, and since he is the originator of everything, he still considers himself able to be accessed at every turn. It wasn't just Ishmael that then failed. Israel failed. If they failed so bad after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of Baal worship, idolatry, where they are even yeah. taken over by Babylon and Assyria. They were they ceased being a nation. He writes to the through the prophets, and so I wrote you a bill of divorce because of your harlotry. Jeez. And so you're like, yep. And so there's people today say he threw Israel out. They're garbage because they messed up. Paul writes all in Romans makes it clear. It's like no, 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 no. He is looking for an opportunity to re remake it awesome. So. We want to be aware that in this season when we're discovering all these things that have corrupt inceptions, that he is, it's not only that he's not against possibly using them. I mean, we have just, it comes to mind, practical things. Uh, this was something we saw in Peru when we were there, but I've seen it in California a lot, is, is porno theaters are on Sundays is where churches will gather and meet. They've repurposed a porno theater. They'll do the cleansing prayers and all they have to do. But they think it's awesome that people are spirit-led. It's like this place that was advancing corruption and death now can advance restoration, redemption. And that's just who he is. And that's who yeah. we're, supposed to be. we're supposed to think through that sort of redemption uh, process. And so that was that's that's an initial uh, messaging I have. And again, we can advance it to so many areas. Yeah, it can go on and on. You think of since all of the, was it the Jebusites that were there first, they would have dug some of those tunnels and some of those rocks. For all we know, we, we think of Hezekiah's tunnel. We don't know that, that the Jebusites didn't build that first, and it became Hezekiah's. We don't know about that. God repurposes 
you know, until he, all the elements burn up with fervent heat, it almost seems like you had a different interpretation of that one too. But when, when this thing is all replaced with the new heaven and earth, then he'll start all over, right? So, Well, that's another conversation, yes. But, we'll, but we're sticking to what we're saying is even, yeah. you know, he's called son of David. He was even introduced. Uh, that's part of the, the scriptures from Isaiah that you, you draw up to the New Testament and that in Bethlehem is because it was Bethlehem from, referring to David, that that's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so, and it's because David, and he's a son of David. Well, we forget that Bethlehem, when we first hear about it, is about Boaz and Ruth. And Boaz is, you know, the great-grandfather of, of David. And so you have this whole thing. But Ruth is a Moabitess. You go, what's a Moabitess? Well, Moabitess is descendants from Lot and his daughters. So mm. literally, God has an incest situation. So in our natural minds, and again, if we get too much into the Pharisee spirit, and so idealism and utopianism, we'll say, listen, nothing that comes from Lot and his daughters can ever be used by God. And it's not just that he can be used by God. It is that actual lineage where Jesus, the Son of God, shows up, who he who is the redeemer of the world. So he redeems bloodlines he redeems timelines he redeems restores and he will infiltrate we can call it infiltrate if you want but he will step into the degree he's allowed to step in and he will redeem something and turn something around paul he who was killing christians you know he was the terrorist and he gets repurposed reconstituted and set up that's his preferred way of showing up on planet earth and so Let's apply it to Christmas, Christmas season. <clears throat> I felt like the Lord yeah. when kind of interrupted my my flow where I was going. It's like, hey, I, I want let's the, the good of this holiday, the part that can be um, extracted for good. Yes, there is. It gets into greed and other things, but it's unavoidable. Un, you know, we felt that enough when a couple of years ago we saw them trying to take out Christmas from even the language and and dumbing it down just to happy holidays that there was an attempt against the memory and mention of Christ coming that way and and he is he is good with children having a positive memory of the christmas season a positive memory of when the redeemer of the world was born and so let's go ahead and do our part to enjoy what uh what he did and who he was and how he changed history forever so that's good. You know, I was thinking, too, while you're talking about the lineage of Mary, of course, you know, people talk about um, um, how holy she was and she became that holy person. But her entire lineage goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. There was sin, 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 sin. We know that because nobody gets out free. Everybody has to struggle through the sin condition. So God in his in his holiness said, I'll, I can use uh, Mary's DNA didn't use Joseph's, but he used Mary's and wow, you know, and it furthermore, Stephen, the application is, it's not the direction I was going to go, but if we look into what we'll call just world events taking place right now, this moment of deliverance, this Red Sea deliverance moment for us, and even the role that president Trump has and whoever else is working with him and all that kind of stuff. He has always used fragile vessels that 
you know, you get them at their best day. You're like, oh, what an amazing man or woman of God. But you get them on their worst day. It's like David. You get them taking on Goliath. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, you almost we don't, but you almost want to wow, worship David. And then you have him later after that going into Bathsheba. And 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 you're like, mm-hmm. what is the how does God even use this guy any anymore? And and so we have these type of um, uh, scenarios that we can that we can remember. And here's the deal. When God is like <clears throat> when we make the point and just for clear, this is kind of just a little departure, even on President Trump. And people will point out, hey, and they used to more, you know, he's too brash. He's too this. I, he said some bad language. He released the F word somewhere and he does this as if that chases God off from doing his purposes. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. so we're saying, you know, it, even because the connection we've made in times past is President Trump is my Cyrus. And so Cyrus, the original Cyrus, is a guy who never ultimately became a Christian. He didn't. Uh, uh, you know, he he was used by God and he honored him in some way while he kept doing his sacrifices uh, that may have been occult blood sacrifices to mm. his other um, um, gods. And and it, it doesn't diminish God's greatness and story. It increases it. The fact that he can it was 140 or 150 years before Cyrus was even born. He had Isaiah prophesy his uh, um, Isaiah 45 scripture, Cyrus, and I've called you by name and I will take you by hand and I will have you be the one who beats the, the deep state essentially. And then you're like, uh, and he didn't require righteousness. In fact, as fragile as he was, and we know that soon after he did the things God wanted him to do, he died an early death because of uh, messes that he got himself in as we might've been killed, depending on what version, what story of history we, we fall. He might've gotten killed but it speaks to the greatness of our god that he can take such fragile people even name them 150 years ahead of time and still use them to accomplish his purposes it's almost an in your face poking satan in the eyes and say i did it i did it uh you you know and it's like he'll even tell things that were satan's like oh my goodness this is fragile this guy has no protection this guy has no holy spirit he has nothing we're going to just we're, we're going to romp with this one and it speaks to the greatness and goodness of our god so that's the recentering yeah. for today and in this week where we celebrate he who is the savior of the world who has been saving will save and of the increase of his government there is no end and this is the direction um that that we're going with it so i feel i feel the joy from him on on us acknowledging that and remembering that in the midst of so much consternation and so many reports and then they will say within the patriot community there's you know who's on what side who's actually loyal who's not who's and it's like you know what those things um um you you may not figure that out actually there's a he had me talk about um, i was to bring up two words hopium and hope and and hopium is a terminology that was invented for this time and season uh you know it's to it's it's really about um events or intel that comes out that encourages us and and so some will will say some of the anons get uh, accused of only giving hopium and some like well we need mm. the hopium and so there's a discussion of hopium well i want to tell the difference between hopium and hope just a little uh comment here so hopium ultimately is very possibly wishful thinking 
because we don't know for sure. There is it, there's so much subterfuge and psyoping in the in the community of reporting what's going on. We can't we 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 know the things we can be sure, and we know that Roe versus Wade did get overturned. We know the Guidestones got knocked down. We know Twitter has been repurposed in some way. We we have clear things. There was hopium and then proof that the hopium was actually true. Well, what's awesome about hope, and that's my focus for this week, this week going into Christmas, uh, hope is communication from God that encourages. And so um, hopium is not wishful thinking. I mean, hope is not wishful thinking. Hopium might be, but the hope that comes from God, it's being assured that God is doing something good in the midst of challenging circumstances. So there's an assurance. And so this is what he wants us to perceive. He wants us to receive even right now, even today. He's like, come on, sons and daughters, be filled with hope. I've begun a good work. You know, he who began a good work will finish it. And so there's what he's done overall. But even in this season, this a season of great awakening, he has begun a work of great awakening and he knows there's pain that we've been going through, maybe some more pain going to go through, but he's going to finish this work and he's going to finish his deliverance, Red Sea deliverance moment for us. So we want to keep our focus and our eyes on him primarily. Mm-hmm. We can look at the other and observe it. And again, hopium has its pluses and its minuses, but hope there's no downside to it. There's no, um, no disappointment. It's something our spirits can live off some, something that, uh, proverbially say, take to the bank. The banks are in a very safe place to take things right now, but better than that was what we understand by, by the statement that we say, uh, take to the bank. So, you know, um, back to, so this connects with, I am doing great scenes and great things, even greater things in manger scenes. And, um, and so obviously, we're referring to, as we go into this Christmas season, it's a memory that Jesus was born in a manger, born in a manger, a stable area, uh, a barn. And and so, and it's like, how could that be? Again, that violates that utopian perfectionist thinking we have of everything must be pristine if it comes from the kingdom and all that. But mm. can you imagine God in the flesh did not start in any kind of pristine place. Back to this point of, uh, corrupt or dirty origins don't mean it's not something God can be a part of because he literally started as a dirty scene. He mm. started in a place in a barn with animal smells, you know, where um, wow. there there was, uh, you know, the sounds around were uh, nays and moos and baths and maybe even oinks. And it's like <laughs> start in a more base place you know and it's like how could that something that started and initiated there be the redemption of the whole world how could that be well that's who he is again it connects back to the thing why we don't just have to wholesalely toss out christmas because it has some corrupt origins or whatever Uh, we'll recognize the parts that are there and if there's adjustments Mm -hmm. to make fine but the lord's like for this year for 2022 Go ahead, embrace the season. Like this is a word from the Lord right now. Embrace the season, the joy of the season. Yes, remember what it's all about. Remember him. But anything, you know, that your mind hasn't been, uh, we'll say, pricked with conscience because something you're doing is actually agreeing with the enemy. If it is, just stop doing that. But go ahead 
and make sure the children are enjoying the season. Make sure your children and your grandchildren are enjoying the season. Make a connection between joy, generosity, and Jesus. Joy, generosity, and Jesus. I would say three J's, but generosity is not spelled with a J. So we'll have two J's and a G. But um, so back to this manger scene, Again, it's so related to what we're talking about. It's look look for the unspectacular to do the spectacular. Even right now, the Lord's like, look for the unspectacular to do the spectacular. It's just good. like Jesus, just like his story. And so we're going to have, like Jesus is still the Lord, Father God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. They're, they are impressing their values and their perspective and their way of doing things on even the rescue operation for planet earth right now. And they are going to, they are going to, uh, they are going to be facilitating a storyline that's amazing for the ages. And it's not really going to be about strength having overcome evil. It's going to be about apparent weakness. And we don't know if this is an example, but we had the community conversation interaction on with the Brunson Lloyd Brunson, you know, in the case to bring him before the Supreme Court. And and it just like, what? We never heard of him. He's like, okay, Um, just out of left field. But expect a lot of out of left field, out of right field, out of, you know, the bullpen, um, things that come out and people that get used in amazing ways. You just mentioned the Brunsons. Let me just interject this for a minute. Someone wrote to me, dear lady, you know, I'm sure she, her heart is, probably as pure as a fallen snow, but she was all upset that we were promoting the Brensons because after all, he was Mormon, she said, and that won't, you know, God would, and I, you know, I thought, am I really reading this and support God? He doesn't know how to, how to <laughs> surprise us. I don't, I don't even have words. I finally just said this has, nothing to, do, I, this has nothing to do with uh, Mormonism. This is God doing what God does. Is There's a short version of what I said, you know. That's eyes on Jesus. And that's yeah. what those are the type of things he will do. And we have to whatever religious horse that we're riding that doesn't allow us to recognize or allow us to receive something that comes from uh, something that doesn't seem to be religiously pristine. Yeah. We get rid of that. that 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 whole thing. Eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. So, uh, you know, here's what's what's going up. You go back to the when Mary, she's in the stable. And, and she's birthing Jesus. She has Jesus. So the kingdom was now at hand um, more than ever. And so John the Baptist, you know, 30 years later, he's going to be announcing, announcing this. <clears throat> and then ultimately, Jesus will self-announce himself. The kingdom is at hand. It's present. It's here. And so the kingdom had been birthed even 30 years before in a very, uh, in a manger scene. And and singing a manger scene. So I'm going to ask some more questions about being a a manger and what the manger scene is. But uh, I think here's like I like to look at just different lines that the Lord gives me when I'm doing the notes. I say the kingdom was at hand, but it wasn't birthed in the mountaintops, even the mountaintops of influence that we're talking about. It's not where it was birthed. We know it show up there. It did eventually rattle society and all, you know, the leaders and Herod himself and. So, uh, you know, the high priest, everybody, everybody at the tops of the mountains eventually um, ran into what had been birthed, you could say, in obscurity, but in a manger, in a manger scene. It, 
the kingdom was at hand, but it wasn't birthed in the mountaintops of influence. It was birthed in manger scenes, but it then turned and showed up in the seven mountains. <clears throat> he wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't, he didn't choose to come in with the Caesars. He didn't come in with the Senate. He didn't come in with the famed philosophers. Uh, he wasn't in anything that garnered news. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Um, and, and, and the Lord's like, he's doing a lot of that right now. And, and it doesn't mean they have to wait 30 years for what's taking place. But the Lord, back to the original statement he gave me, so I'm revisiting that. I am doing the greater things in major scenes right now. Hmm. So there is something for his kingdom, for the body, for everything that is being birthed even released, and then it will also show up uh, in that kind of way. And if I have time, we're going to get to that in just a moment, because the Lord wants me to revisit a scripture we've talked about a place before. So why is, you know, we said uh, we're describing what is a manger scene, but why a manger scene? Why is a manger scene chosen? And so it's a place where room is made because normal places are too busy. Normal places are too busy. Uh, and and they're not making room for him, especially in that kind of way. And so that's why. So he has to show up. Uh, and, you know, the practical parts of that day. There's no clinic. There's no inn. There's no delivery center. Uh, and a manger's in a barn. And we're all these. We're saying, you know, it's it's stinky. There's animals. And and then back to this point. Even when he does his first miracle, he's still not showing up in Jerusalem. If we think of Jerusalem as being the mountaintops, so. He's born in obscurity, and then his first miracles in Cana, and uh, um, and so even there, just like it, it was a, a hidden beginning of his miraculous uh, in, uh, um, ministry, and so he's he's turning water into wine and having plenty left over, but it's in Cana, and that's you know that's over by Nazareth, Galilee. It's it's way away from uh, Jerusalem. And he's still not doing there. So he's he's doing great things. Even now, 30 years later, his miracle uh, ministry that will be three and a half years will be powerful to testify of him before he gives his life. This is also happening, happening in obscurity. So this is uh, both an, an encouragement and a, and a correction for all of us at the same time. Don't just be looking at mountaintop things right now and judging what's really important that's taking place by that, because there are a lot of things that are being birthed, advanced, and next level advanced right now around the globe for the kingdom. This is a kingdom season. This is a, this is an era of kingdom demonstration as never before seen on planet Earth, and a lot of it is happening right now in these types either. Bethlehem manger scene, Cana uh, of Galilee, where there's the miracle ministry begins. We have these type of things taking place. And so just be aware of this is who he is. This is how he likes to show up. He doesn't choose pristine situations to show up. Ideally, he doesn't choose um, Senate. And and uh, whether you talk about Senate, our Senate or their Senate, this is not where he shows up first. Eventually, right. it touches everything, reverberates everywhere. But we want to know we're on uh, this. This is the winning team we're a part of right now. He who began a good work. Christmas reminds us that a good work was begun. Mary is a good time to go. Go look at Mary's song 
that she sang to the Lord is like, mm. well, you know what? I, I have to just yeah. read that uh, right now, parts of it, because I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me this was, um, this is out of Luke chapter one, and it begins in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and in my spirit, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly, the lowly state of his maidservant. See, mm. it's all over again, Steve. He didn't go to a well-known anything, a lowly maidservant. She describes herself and history might tell us more about exactly how lowly and a maidservant that she was. Was that yeah. her or was it a legitimate? But this is where he shows up. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. Like, don't forget that. His mercy is on those who fear him. You're hearing all the, the threats, whether it's, uh, the, the, you know, they're going to, uh, another virus, be re- another something. They're going to the, the global reset and, mm. and what the enemy's trying to do, believe me, he's got a, he's had a game plan to destroy every generation at all times, but his mercy is on those who fear him. This is something Mary, she's holding baby Jesus in her, in her arms. And she's like his mercy, his mercy is on all those who fear him. And this is for all generations. She says it from generation to generation. One, just their generation is forever. This is a promise. This is real hope, not just hopium. It's real hope for us. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. Guess what? Every generation has had these proudful ones, these cabals that have thought they're running everything. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty. Now, this resonates this verse 52 very strongly for us right now. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted who? The lowly. He's exalting the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So it's really, uh, you know, so important to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. This is (laughs) time. This is an operation that comes from the heart of God. His kingdom is advancing. He is doing great things in the midst of dire dangers and troubles he's always doing the most when the enemy is advertising himself the most you can be assured that's when god is doing is doing the most and so he wants us to be encouraged at this time regarding that so all right i'm gonna look at the clock and edit what i have in my mind i want us to look at um matthew chapter 21 it follows the same theme that we're going and I've talked about this even fairly recently, but the Lord is like, read them, read it out of the Bible. There is something about reading the scripture yeah, that brings us uh, life. It takes us, you know, back to the story in its kind of original way that we've heard it. And so this is, again, designed to release true encouragement and hope to our hearts. And again, not wishful thinking hope, but actual reality. We serve a real king with real power, real presence. And so there are things we want to look at real, real closely. So I know uh, Emily's already ahead there with 
knowing I didn't even tell her ahead of time, we're going to Matthew chapter 21. But I'm going to start reading it and we're going to stop at various points. I want to point out that it's your headlining there. If you have a Bible says the triumphal entry. So we've been able to advance and say he's born in a stable in a manger scene. And, and then there is his ministry begins in Cana, still not Jerusalem, still not a, a, a visible place. It was yeah for their little town. It was a significant event that they had, but it was something totally ignored worldwide and not even noted at all in Jerusalem. And yet the king of the universe had just released something that till this day, waves, growing waves to where now 2.5 billion people across the planet say, I follow Jesus Christ, whether they do it right or not. 700 million now claim they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is all a progression of that. So he finally makes his triumphal entry there is a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we want to see even how it ties in and repeats this storyline that we're talking about. To remind all of you, and if you came in late to the program, it started with this question, does Jesus resent being celebrated by millions on the wrong day? And I've told you no. If you want to hear that and you're just joining, go back and listen from the beginning. But <clears throat> so verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, and so interesting that that word means house of unripe figs at the Mount of Olives that Jesus sent two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, literally, this verse alone is so is real full of so much revelation, mm. so much a source of freedom. Just keep that verse up in, fr in front of us, because. Um, we we want to we want to note that if if you didn't know how this chapter goes, there's the triumphal entry. He is riding on an animal, and he comes into Jerusalem, and it says the whole city is shaken, and they're singing Hosanna to the King, etc., etc., etc. But it wasn't because the the animal was not a lion, the animal was not a white horse, it was not a majestic whatever. It was a an ignoble animal, an animal kind of that stands out for its lack of nobility. Mm. And if, you, if you didn't know about that, you should have donkeys in other countries where we were burros. You have them around. It's like they 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 look not smart. They they sound not smart. You know, they they walk around. They they're not. There's nothing noble about a donkey. We'll just put it that way. And, and it, did he do that? Because it's like, well, the master needs to be right on somewhere. Let's find, oh, well, here's, no, no, no. He literally stops and says, go into the village opposite you. What does that mean right up front? It's like, this is a, this is not something on the way. This is, this is like, go out of your way to the village opposite you. Not just go to the nearest village and see if somebody has a donkey. No, go to the village opposite you. Like this Back to a message we were giving. He chooses the weak, small, foolish mm. things of the world. Confound the wife. And immediately you will find a donkey, but not just a donkey, a tied donkey. And that's going to be a common thing. You're going to, donkeys are tied, tied down. And they've been told they're a noble. They've been told they're not worth much. And mm. to the degree that uh, um, they believe that, they are tied down. And so this mm. is a word for 
for us today, for for those who are like, well, it can't be me. And I know because just this last week, I've had some interaction with people that based on, um, uh, you know, the problems of their birthing and the storyline behind it and different things like that. There's like no way God could really have a high call for them because they came, their product of sin, their product of trouble, their, their past has just terrible stuff in their recent past. And, and whether it's, uh, whether you, you've gone through a divorce one, two, three, four, five times, or you've been through rehab or you've been through whatever other serious thing you're like, no, I can't. But the Lord is speaking to you. You can put the verse back back on in just a second here. And you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them to me. Now that becomes part of our assignment. Part of this message to you is for you to be loosed so that the master can call you and use you in a great way to make a triumphal entry of his kingdom in a new way right now in any area of society. And it doesn't require your nobility. He doesn't require you to be a good spokesperson. He doesn't require you to have a great talent, a great gift. He requires obedience. This is what you will see. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Again, just so loaded uh, with revelation and truth. Tied donkeys, loose them. Then we'll continue. Next verse. And if anyone says anything to you, because that's probably what's going to happen when you go and just grab the first donkey that's tied there. You shall say, the Lord has need of them. Now, just that line again. The Lord has Ooh. need of them. Is there anything more foolish seeming? The Lord um, wants to use you. No, the Lord has need of them. He chooses to need us. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to need us. He did not need a donkey to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but he said he did. The Lord has need. And it's because he needs it once it's part of his plan. I want to go on that which is a noble, ignoble, and not very impressive, and that which doesn't have great origins and is not, you know, perfect in its past. I want to repurpose that which is not awesome. And I want to use it for my own good. So you see, we're returning just back to the original question, even about Christmas. The Lord has needed them, and immediately he will send them. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Now, this verse is also so massively anointed and full of revelation. Tell the daughter of a Zion, you're behold, your king is coming to you. And you think, yes, the king. Now, there is no phrase that seems less to go with that statement than lowly and sitting on a donkey. Mm. The king is lowly. If you want to know why the Lord resists the proud, it's not because I need everything. You stop trying to take my glory. You stop trying to. It's because he is lowly. It's it, it's it's like. If he prefers to hang out in the basement with the guests in the fireplace there, and what you want to do is be on the main level all the time and hobnobbing with it, it's it's like there's a resistance based on his very nature. And this is part of a revelation for each and every one of us. The king himself is lowly and mm. sitting on a donkey. Now, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's worthy of all honor, of all praise. His His majesty is amazing, but he wants communion with us 
and he wants to be where we're at. He doesn't get you if you're lofty, if you high. High mindedness has nothing to do with him. This is not like, yeah, we got to give him the glory because he's the glory hog. No, no, no. He's like, I so love sharing my glory that if you're not like that as well, if you're if you're one that has to grab glory, I just can't even use you. So Ooh. back to that. Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt full of a donkey. Verse six, more truth here. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Now that line right there, just let that resonate with you. If you want to know what he's looking for, well, if he's not li- looking for, you know, giftedness and sharpness and all this stuff and, uh, and, you know, all these things you will learn today. There's all these books, how to make yourself a better you and the better you can do great things. I'll tell you the great things are mm. obedience. So the disciples did as Jesus commanded them. If you want to know what begins to position things for the kingdom of God to come in through you as never before, is just do what Jesus says to do. And so they brought the donkey and the colt, verse 7 now, and they and, and this is important. They laid their clothes on them and set him on there. So the disciples obeyed. They went to the village opposite. They began, un, you know, taking down a, a donkey that was tied. And so the owner comes, hey, what are you all doing? The master, the Lord has need of him. And it's like, uh, okay. So they bring him and they lay their clothes on them and set him on them. So there, there's a revelation here. Your clothes, he rides on your clothes. Hmm. That's why he tells you, arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen on you. So they're making way for the king. So we want to understand this is how this thing works. Obedience, and then he shows up in our clothes, on our clothes, and uh, and set him on them. They brought the donkey, the colt laid their clothes on him, and set him on him. So he is set now on their clothes. Verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their clothes. This thing goes viral now. You have these disciples that understand obedience, and then let your clothes be used for him to come on you. And mm. then it says, now, I don't know if you all knew that this is the picture of what took place in, in the in, in the triumphal entry. A very great multitude says, well, they took their clothes off so he could be on it. And now a great multitude takes their clothes off and they make way for him on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I hope you're picking this up in your spirit. And the reality of it is you just had regular folk say, OK, use me. Here I am. Here's my yeah. clothes. Come on that. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Notice what is absent there. It's not Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And what amazing donkeys. And what an amazing donkey. What it, no, there's nothing. There's no attention. That's why God can use those who don't have an interest to have glory for themselves. There's an inglorious beast and a noble beast because the beast is like, we'll call it a beast. It's an animal. It's a servant animal. And the picture you'll see of the donkeys is they have the cross on, on the back. If you look at, a, at the pictures of the donkeys, um, I don't know if you've seen this, Steve. I should have brought them as, as, as well. But they have, uh, they have a, you know, a dark sash and the one that comes. So it looks like a cross. If you look oh, at I didn't know. I've never seen yes. that. Wow. And, and so it's a picture to us. Hosanna, this blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there's, and there, again, there's like, and what an awesome donkey. Nobody's saying that. 
So there is something about who the Lord can use to carry great glory is someone who's not contending and trying to steal his glory from him because this is how this thing all works together. And when he had come into Jerusalem, again, he's coming on the clothes of awakened sons and daughters. They've made a pathway for him to make for a triumphal entry. Apply to today. Think of Jerusalem as being, we'll say the seven mountains, the places of influence, our cities, our nation. He says, you know, make yourself your clothes, who you are, bring what you've got, bring the donkeys, loose the donkeys, those who say, no, I can't do it. He's coming on them. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Saying, who is this? So the multitude says, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And we know he goes from there um, to cleansing uh, cleansing the temple. And, and there is a whole thing that, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll cover that next time because there's such good truth there. We, we understand this, the, the place where this all started in verse one, we said, they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, however you pronounce it. And, um, and it means a house of unripe figs. And then the house of unripe figs is where he goes from there. He cleanses the te- temple. And then he, in the morning, he sees a fig tree that's not producing mm-hmm. fruit. And he curses the fig tree and says, you're supposed to be producing fruit. And and even though it was supposedly out of season, well, it doesn't say it there, but you find out when a tree, when figs don't ripen, it's usually a sign that there's not been water. It's not been watered enough. And so there is a, for us in a practical way, I was bringing, I think a week ago, emphasis to a places of presence. We need the presence of Jesus. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to be watered. You can say watered by the word, by the presence, the reality of the story of Jesus, watered by the well of the Holy Spirit within us, because if not, we are figs. You know, this is, he he curses the figs. I guess I'm already going into the story. I'll just do the minimal part of it right now. He is, he's, he, it's right after he goes to the temple and he says, this is a den of thieves right now. And he chases them out with the, with, this should be my house, my house of prayer, my house of presence, but it has become a den of thieves. And then he has this whole thing of the parable of, not a parable, the reality of the fig tree, he says Jesus was hungry, but he couldn't partake. He couldn't eat of the figs that were there that are supposed to be that which are giving life, that are getting giving sustenance. And so there's um, um, there's a word there's a word for us um, right there as well. I think I'm just going to leave 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 that there because I started seeing this line. I'll, I'll see if the Lord brings that back up for another week. Uh, go into that a little more, kind of a word for the body and the church and things like that. And that's up to him if he. He further confirms that. So anyways, uh, Steve, um, you know, there's always, I just love pieces of potpourri the Lord puts together. A, yeah, a, a yeah. So even in that story um, it, where it says, you know, uh, the triumphal entry, verse five, I tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey. And it, you know, he starts out verse four, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet. Well, what prophets are talking about? He's talking about the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah 62 is where he says this thing. We, we drew attention to Isaiah 62 a few weeks ago because Aaron Judge, um, mm. home run number 62 and 62 right. highlighted. And it's all about 
Jerusalem and other things there as well. So, you know, there's always more. There's people say, did you pick up this from that in the sports? Ooh, yeah. I never can cover all of them because there's just too many of them and it would be entirely uh, um, just that would be one track just following the sports stories. But we want to point out, since we had a conversation, Aaron Judge actually won most valuable player of the American League. So Aaron, which means from dark to light, and we drew attention to all the Aaron names of dark to light, that that's what's going on. Judge is him coming on, coming in as the righteous judge. Even what Mary was saying with her declaration, he's coming, he's looking and he sees, he's coming to set you free, to save you. And he's going to bring down that which oppresses essentially is what's going on. So Aaron Judge, but it was it was number 62. Um, and, and so we have this combination there. Now, some are going to be wondering and asking, um, of course, the, the World Cup in soccer that just took place, yeah. which is a massive event. And for me, it is literally the sports event that I get into the most, just to be honest. Oh, wow. hmm. So Sunday morning, they had... Um, the the final, it was Argentina versus France. And it was, you know, particularly attention to Lionel Messi. He's the yeah. Argentine uh, star. He's 35 years old. He's uh, played in more World Cup uh, soccer games than anybody in history, but he hadn't yet won it. And so this was kind of, he's needed, needed this for his legacy to win it. Honestly, he's been my favorite player for a long, long time. Uh, soccer was my first love. I grew up in Peru, South America. My parents were missionaries there. And so it was for literally for years. That was my dream was to mm. play professional really? soccer wow. at some point. And so I really wanted it for him. I also identify with my Latino background. And and so um, the Hispanic world have friends from Argentina been texting and stuff and so excited and what's going to happen. And so it was a very exciting game. You know, it was three to three after regulation and they had to go overtime and then they penalty kicks. And so Argentina won it. So they're world champions. And, and without going to all, all, all the story, we're just going to say 35 year old Lionel Messi is the big story for those who watch it. Again, this is the sports event watched by more people than any other sports event on the earth. So I always say the Lord is speaking through the major sports stories. If he's not, you know, you're, regional baseball, softball, and mm. whatever, it may not be a message. But if he knows millions are watching something, he is usually speaking something as well. And I'm just going to identify one one aspect of it because it connects with everything else we're talking about right now. And it's amazing. The week before we celebrate the birth of King Jesus, mm. there is something. <clears throat> Lionel, Lionel Messi, he got the award as the most valuable player, the best player of the whole um, World Cup soccer that was played in Qatar. And and so he won as as the best. And Lionel, it's spelled Lionel, Lion L. He's the lion. And so think of King of the Jungle and the Lion King. And Messi, well, M-E-S-S-I. We'll just, this may not work as a prophetic uh, uh, analogy and word in any other language but English, but it works for yeah. us. The king in a messy, um, uh, we're talking about Jesus being born in a messy place. And so there's, mm-hmm. and Lionel Messi's five foot six and a half. And it was amazing. Even all that. Yes. Uh, there <laughs> you a, go. 
and number 10. But he's five foot six and a half. He's just a little guy. All the awards people are just towering over him in every kind of way. And um, um, and I'm not saying even I know nothing about if he's righteous enough to be highlighted. If hopefully y'all are getting the picture. This is he make the Lord tells stories with unrighteous people. He yeah. tells stories with righteous people who have faults and fall apart like David and break down in different things. And so it's about the greatness of God to be able to use fragile humanity, fragile, corrupted humanity, and even position them and tell his own storyline. And so it's something for us. So this guy is now, you know, the little king uh, uh, um, in a messy world, messy situation, messy environment. He's bringing joy to the world. And mm. if it's not to the whole world, it's at least it is widely understood that the bulk of the world was cheering for Messi to to win yeah. finally, even though France had to lose. But for sure, all Hispanol, all Hispanics have yeah. celebrated um, uh, Messi um, winning that. And then there is the attention. We're not going to make a lot. It's 35 year old Lionel Messi. So Isaiah 35 is all about the highway of holiness that he's coming in on. So we see this continual weaving of his storyline, even with the major sports stories and events and who he highlights and how he makes a guy whose name is Lion King and it's messy and Aaron and judge and Donald and Trump and Don means gift and Trump. Mm -hmm. And and how does, um, how does God even do this? How does he do that? It's because he's God. And that's the thing, the takeaway for us is our God is great enough, big enough, good enough, powerful enough to use the most mundane, corrupted, corruptible, fragile humans and and make great stories out of them, out of us. And so this is a confidence for each and every one of you, whoever's out there that's been uh, you've disenfranchised yourself through your own self-criticism and analysis of yourself as being not noble enough in some Mm. kind of way, either your language or what you do, just understand that if anything, you become highlighted by him as I would really like to move that person and make something and make something good happen. So Steve, I believe I've got um, whatever few minutes we have now for questions. If you're. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just a couple of comments. And of course, lion L the elk is a, is a word for God. So he could be called the lion of God in this metaphor, right? Yes, here he is a five foot six, but Lion of God. It was fun to watch. Isn't he the one that made the final kick? Am I remembering that right? Well, they had to go to penalties. Um, yeah, um, it, it kept looking like he had done the winning goal, and then the other team would score. A goal. I was wondering if I, I couldn't remember if he made the final penalty kick. I you know, no, that I mean, was a that was another. What is it? He was a, a young man that was unknown, not one of the stars. Um, it goes to the point. He lives outside Buenos Aires. He's not one of the stars that plays for a big team. He's unheard. He was an unknown, unheard okay. of the guy that kicked the winning penalty. Okay. Um, and it was from that standpoint, I'm anticlimactic. And he knew if I get this penalty, we win. We're world champions. He did. He just falls to the ground, starts crying, takes a shot. Wow. <laughs> and, but it, it's good you highlighted him because uh, I think I think his name was uh, Molina, which would be the mill. We'll say a guy who's not very impressive. He's gone through the mill. He's a guy that That's does good. his part. It wasn't his choice. His coach literally tells him, you go do that. And so it's not like they volunteer really? for it. Wow. He gets chosen by his coach, and and he's and he's but he's now a star. He's a star because he just did his part enough to be close to where the king says, mm. Hey, we have need of this guy right now. 
and so that happened. So the, the storyline that we started this whole thing with just continues to reverberate. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, the other question or comment, at least, I wanted to make as far as, you know, I was talking to the staff the other day about a lot of people, especially younger ones that haven't studied, you know, the whole thing about the manger scene is, is surely she's a human being like us. She was a, she was picked by God, but surely on the way there, and she knew she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She believed it because she said, be it done. So she surely thought God would preserve a hotel room for her <laughs> in the end. The one end that existed, surely, because he said there was no room in the end. So there was no room. She ends up in the barn, and the manger wasn't a sweet little thing like we have. In the, it was the animal feeding trough. And, and I think to myself, you know, she had to live what we're talking about. She had to say, surely God of all gods, who's this, who is this man, who is my son's father in heaven, would have provided a bed to lay. All there was that we could find is whether we put the hay in this feeding trough, let's put him in there. She didn't know at that time that would become a cute little manger scene because a manger is a feeding trough. So I... I what I wanted to ask or observe or whatever is we're hearing you talk about the, the, the things, the lowly things that God's going to use in the future. And I'm saying I'm hearing you, but am I hearing you that God's going to use some lowly things coming up? 2023 is coming here. God's going to blow the doors off. He's already using some lowly things. I mean, do you have a sense that we probably don't yet have a clue of, of the lowly things he's going to use? Exactly that, Stephen. I'm glad you, you, you um, brought that up in that kind of way, because that's really, that's the original, again, the, the, the starting word for today when he woke me up is, I'm doing the greater scenes in manger scenes, right? I'm doing the greater things in manger scenes uh, right now. And then the rest of it was just follow up on that and that we're going to find out that right now, while that's why we're distracted, like is so-and-so being sharp enough? Is so-and-so being good enough? Is mm. he, are, we, we got our attention on the names and are they doing it? And is this institution doing it? Are we, he's, he has got little things that he's working on that are huge things. He's, he's got spectacular things that right now are unspectacular that they are mm. presents to be unwrapped. And really that just for this season, this Christmas season, he is going to be unwrapping some presents that are shocking. And, and, and in the sense of even like the guy who's the actual hero for making the penalty unknown. Mm. Argentinian. Um, and so this is around the Christmas season holiday, but it's, it's like, just know that this is who he is. He loves telling this type of story. Yeah. And he wants to tell it so we can be observers of it, but he's inviting us to participate and partake. And again, to the degree you have canceled yourself, you have disenfranchised yourself to the degree mm. you have said, I can't be one. Oh, that's going to be good to see who it is and whatnot. It's like you just be shocked at simple steps of obedience and being around the right place, what God can do with your life. Never have the goal of being famous. That just that means you have some unhealed identi identity issue that you need to go ahead and uh, uh, get past. But if you can get past that part, then you'll find out that he is he, he loves telling these type of stories. But to your point, Steve, I believe 
some of the greatest things about this justice moment mm. that is for us, this moment of deliverance that we've all been speaking of for a couple of years here, that multiple prophetic voices and uh, and and evidences of it are showing before us. And there's it, the surprises that are, even in a sort of way, Elon Musk, though he's a billionaire, yeah. this is a surprise. There is nobody. This is a surprise. Is it and, not? And he's not and he's not claiming uh Jesus Christ as his savior no. in any way, you know. He, no, he's it's, at it's best like the centur centurion or some sort of metaphor, but he's not the follower of Christ. He's no more than than Cyrus was of old, you know. So Yeah, we did we never heard this like you said, the centurion, he would have been one of the establishment that is like, well, this night, you know, he's one of them, he's one of the oppressors. Because uh, that's what a centurion would have been part of the oppressor army. And so what's he doing now on the right side, doing things? Yeah. Jesus Crazy. loves telling these type of stories. Yeah. By the way, because Jesus responded to the they'd say, well, Lord, this one built our temple. Isn't he worthy of healing and all that? And I, when, I, when I see that story and then I think of Cyrus, I think, you know, the God that I'm seeing here, it wouldn't surprise me to learn one day in eternity that that he showed up for Cyrus at some point on his death or before and said, thanks for letting my people go back to Israel and, and build, rebuild the walls. Thanks. I'm going to just reveal myself, but we don't have it. If he did it, he never chose to tell us that, yeah. you know, but, but because he responded to the same kind of thing, this one built our synagogue, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me that he would, he would be that kind of guy, but I have fun with that kind of what ifs. It can never be proven. So, all right. Well, you ready for a couple of questions? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to just read them in the order that I have them. Sometimes I'll just kind of pick for the best. I'm just going to start at the top. we got 10 minutes here. And I can see the, hear the heart. Linda's saying the Bible says that God has no respect of persons, but it seems mm -hmm. that politicians and leaders who are evil have been there a long time. I could just almost draw, draw this a long time. They're given a wide window of mercy. When I see what is going on in our government, it makes me question why she's got caps on that. They are given so many chances to reconcile with God. So there's your open-ended. So to understand it right, she's wondering why, like some of these names that we've heard of there, okay, yeah. let's put a face to it, like Nancy Pelosi in, in, in government is like, why is there chance after chance after chance, Adam yeah. Schiff, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and it's part of, you know, there's the patience of our God is beyond anything we can imagine. Um, just the fact that he has Jesus born and though he's God in the flesh, he has him do no significant thing that we know of for 30 years um, while he's here. And yet he's God in the flesh. His ministry doesn't become public. It's it's an amazing thing to us. And so we know with um, throughout scripture, there are evidences of his both of his judgment, but of his patience are the greater storylines. And we love it when it's extended towards us. And we love how patient he is. With yeah. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we're both ways. Shocked. huh? Yes. We become shocked how patient he is with others. And it really is something that's in his, um, it's under his criteria, under his judgment of there are things, there are times where he seems to jump in quickly and immediately. Mm -hmm. And it, it's part of, um, it's just part of 
who he is and part of it that's beyond our comprehension. It's, I'll just say it's beyond my comprehension. I had conversations with him in the last year or two based on things I discovered. I was like, how can you have patience with that? Right. Why would you not be turning that person instantly into a, you know, a crispy? Why isn't Elijah here calling down fire on that? And, you know, and he reminds, even by the New Testament time, his disciples are, you know, they're wanting to call down fire on a place that didn't really receive the message very well. And he's like, what spirit are you? Did you not know the Son of Man came to save lives, not to take out lives? But we understand that there is an application, particularly thinking of all these politicians. We could name many more names right now who have been a part of instruments of darkness. And um, and why aren't they quickly dealt with? Why isn't the judgment of God? I don't really have all the answers for it. Yeah. I think I think we're justified in bringing before the Lord these people. I know I do. I say, Lord. I'm asking if you're waiting for someone on earth, one of your sons and daughters on earth to say, I believe this person needs to be dealt with. I'm here saying, I believe this person needs to be dealt with. And uh, if you have a graceful way of scaring him into the kingdom, like Paul in some ways, amen. That's preference as well. But I'm here saying, yeah, don't just allow the foolishness he's doing to continue. I think we're justified in that. And I think the thing that bothers that, that lady um, is, is, is fine. And I think we're, we are good to go before the Lord. And there is something about, um, that we know from other passages of scriptures that it does register in heaven when we, his sons and daughters that are looking through that kingdom grid are saying, this is an obstacle to you and your kingdom. And is it, uh, to me, this is in the, especially the last seven, eight years I've come to this, but is an overstatement or understatement somewhere there to say, God loves it when people come to him and say, how do you, why do you put up with that? Does God like that kind of relational talk? Does he like you kind of arguing your case with God? Does he prefer that kind of relationship? He absolutely does. If you understand that the point we've talked about, Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as some sort of end game, that knowledge of him, not just that he saves, but of who he is, how he is. Because that's the thing. We know who he is, kind of how he is. We're a good bit disconnected. That's the whole point of everything. The whole point of everything is the knowledge of him, knowing how he is, how he processes, how he thinks. And how are we going to know that unless we ask him hard questions? Yeah. Situations don't line up with what our mind thinks is. Yeah. Let me give a follow up question that just came to me with this is there's that scripture that's prophesying. It says, This is the covenant I'll make with them. After those days, you know, you talked about the new covenant and I, I don't have it in front of me, but it says no longer will a man say to his neighbor, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. When is that? Well, more than when just you bringing that to, you know, the front here is just key because mm-hmm. it's such it's it just gives us insight into him. And like that should just help us before we get to when yeah. it's. That should just have us fall in love with him all over again. Mm. That his go- his goal is not, and it, this applies to our storyline of today. Uh, we think, well, we need some more, you know, holy apostles of old, holy prophets. We we need these highlighted men of God that come and do things, and and we need these superheroes that come in, mm. and and but his heart is that the everyone that everyone you won't even have to teach each other 
that some point would come that the knowledge of God would be so widespread. It's actually a proof of the Habakkuk 2.14 scripture we're talking. Knowledge of the glory as cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's a 100% coverage. Yeah. So we understand if his end goal is that everyone has a relationship, personal, not just a salvation relationship where you sign on the dotted line and you're in heaven, but an actual where you you and his heart are interacting and talking and conversing and communing. If that's who he is, then that is a God we can fall in love with and whatever. You know, I don't think he gives us, we're finding that more and more. He's not really date driven. He's driven by events and advancement. So that's the goal. The goal, it's not like, uh, he would not tell us a date on that. We'll just put it that way, Steve. He would not tell us a date because there would be passivity towards looking at dates. That's the problem with dates in general is there's looking to dates instead of the event, the processes that lead to that. That's good. Let me see. I just find a short one here. Um, Okay. Um, This is kind of like we get one question. It's kind of like the same question asked 10 different ways. So this is that, but we need to continue from every few weeks to kind of hit this up. So Anna's saying, I've heard some ministers say that when you give someone a prophetic word, it's your, it's their responsibility to walk it out with them. I guess she's saying um, it's the person who gave the word, your responsibility to walk it out with them. Is this true? So I, 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 reading this the second time, I realized she's talking about the minister who gave them the word. Okay, I had, had, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's occasionally true, but it's for sure not standard true. So, you know, somebody may teach that and that may be where this person heard it. But there is there is no way, especially, you know, when I was traveling all the time and and whatever, I don't know, 20 years uh, being gone half the time and giving thousands of prophecies like there is zero way. It's literally I would just have a line of. Yeah hundreds sometimes a day just uh and especially when i did that a lot and and people with tape recorders and like i don't even know i can't even guess how many prophetic words i've given there is no way um that it's possible to walk with everyone but sometimes there is the lord will put that lay the added burden will say or added privilege if you want to say say that word you just gave i want you to walk with that person um in advancing it and so that's good yeah, now where I first thought she, when I first read this, I didn't read it that carefully. And I thought she was saying, is it my responsibility to walk out that word? And I, so yeah. I had jotted down, thinking it was that question, an example of if it was you walking out your own word and someone said, well, I had a prophecy that I'm going to uh, be a world traveler. So I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to do missions and travel. And someone would, if someone said, well, so when did you get your passport? Oh, I haven't got a passport yet. Well, so walking out that word, you got to do some practical things. If God's telling me I'm going to travel, I need to do work out my own salvation. Maybe that's another ap- application of that. It, it is. And so it's worth talking about just for a second because it's important. And it's not an easy black and white diagrammable right written yeah. chalkboard. The example we can ha- we have before us is Abraham and Sarah and the birthing of Isaac. And he says, you know, through Sarah, I'm going to give you the promised child. <clears throat> so there's several things. So he comes to Abraham says, you're going to be a father of a multitude. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, is he just going to do it all? Well, he doesn't even bother telling him 
um, you have to sleep with your wife. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so just because he doesn't tell you what you have to do, there are assumptions of normality that you do have to do. Now, uh, they went the second mile, we'll say not a good mile. And they decided after 30 years and it's not happening after many years, we don't know what, how many years exactly it was. I think it does tell us where we could figure out exactly. And so they decide to help God. So there's a part where, and that's, that's the part you don't want to go too far. And that's where it requires just constant communion with the Holy Spirit, because yes, he needed to sleep with Sarah. No, he did not treat, need to try to fabricate it in the flesh. And like, well, I need to help God pull this thing off. And so we have those, and all of us can have a tendency. We have well, the type A personality will be the one, okay, let's help God. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the other personality. It's like, I'm not even going to sleep with my wife. I'm not even, you know, you, Sarah, yeah. God's going to do this. And so I, there's a ditch on either side we, we want to avoid. And, and the protection from that ditch is constant interaction with the Holy Spirit. And some, depending on what matter we're talking about issue, you know, counsel from wise people as well. That's good. Very, very good. Well, Johnny, uh, anything you want to tell people about Restore7.org or anything you, any events coming up, anything you want to tell people? Well, just, um, you know, I think we have, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do a program. We might do a program not called up for discussion this week. Um, we'll just see if there's time and whatever. Elizabeth and I kind of just a word um, about the Lord again, almost just drawing our attention to him. There really is. He wants us yeah, there's so much going on around the world. If those of you who joined and wanted to hear a lot of intel, oh my goodness, the amount of stuff that's going on. I can, I'll, I'll throw throw in this aspect right now is I can't tell what nation. I've told you before, we we do have an organization, part of, I'm president of something out of D.C. that is in the process of even training presidential and more candidates throughout Central and South America. And the wow. it's the reputation of it has grown so much that there is somebody contacting me yesterday urgently. Their government has just gone through an overhaul and um, and a, a communist has been essentially thrown out of government. Jeez. And he's like, Johnny, they want me to be an advisor to this government, but they need me. Um, I had to sign me. I had to sign this thing saying that he worked, that he'd been one of our instructors. And so having worked for me and us now assist them into a governmental position, which is you talk about a head scratcher as well. Yeah. Part of the foolish things of God confounding, confounding the wise. I love it. So this was one of these, a lot of times the best stories and best testimonies we have to give, we can't because they're too, yeah. uh, <clears throat> you know, the confidentiality around yeah. them is, is that, but these are the type of things God wants to do. But we um, we just want to, as we go into this, thank all of you who pray for us and care for us. And I should, I, you know, some of you had been sending some of the most, I, I don't even want to, I don't want to keep encouraging it, but I love some of the things that have been sent, whether they're, they're cards or coffee or honey or, or whatever. We thank you for it. And yeah, check us out on Rumble for when Elizabeth and I do things, we kind of speak more parental and pastoral into matters was so different than this in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But um, make sure again, back to the beginning, y'all enjoy this season. Make sure your kids um, are enjoying the best of your ability. You know, it's a tough time. I'm not, we could have had the whole program on how tough it is to go and have family come together and just yeah. pray for grace and lift Jesus up and have his presence there and uh, unapologetically celebrate him and who he is and his kindness, his generosity, his greatness. He's the King. 
uh, he's the king. He's the ruling king and he's the king of peace, the prince of peace. And he's coming to help us and assist us at this time. And he's and he's looking to do amazing things through. Whoever Would you go ahead and pray for the people as we close out? That'd be awesome if you do that. Lord, we do thank you yeah. for this season. We do thank you that this mm. is the time uh, we, you know, we hopefully never lose our attention of you, but yeah. we, especially how you started in your humble beginnings mm. and, and how this is just uh, also a lesson and a message for us today, even as we think about all the things that need to be repurposed, things that didn't start out right, things, uh, relationship, institutions, whatever. This is such a, an overhaul time, extreme makeover for the world time right now. And, and some things are going to come down totally. They're going to have to be brought down, made rubble. But other things, Lord, you're going to repurpose. You love repurposing. You love repurposing things that have in past mm-hmm. served the enemy in some kind of way, maybe even been started by the enemy. So let encouragement be released to your sons mm-hmm. and daughters right now, Lord. Let everyone that's watching this right now, yeah. let their spirits be imparted with true hope. Let hope come alive. The coals of hope that are in your spirit, that are fed by the Holy Spirit, let those things come alive right now and sustain you during this season as we celebrate even the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I give our love to Elizabeth and family. Everybody, Mike Thompson will be here with us tomorrow. He always has great revelation firsthand. Caught up. He's always has really good stuff. So don't miss Mike Thompson tomorrow. Same time, same place. Y'all have a great night. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at elijahstreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.